Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by... Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So, without further ado, today's Girl Taku will be about our favorite drama anime. So, this is a kind of an exciting uh, genre because, you know, we've been going through the genres one by one in regards to what are some of our favorites that we've seen. And drama anime, I think, are the type of genre where it can very, very, very easily cross over into other types of genres. It's very, very rare to just have a purely drama anime. Usually, it's like historical drama or contemporary drama, fantasy drama, romance drama, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is one of those genres where it's just kind of wide reaching. And what is drama exactly as a genre? It usually is pertaining to a story that is extremely character driven and most importantly, relationship driven. So plot twists and such aren't as big of a thing in a in drama sort of stories and it's more about following a character in their journeys and how their relationships propel them and change the course of who they are and where they go so that is my best way of explaining drama as a genre to you guys so with that being said I have high hopes that we won't be poaching anyone's favorites today you know knocking on wood amongst us ladies simply because of the fact that it is so wide-reaching we've got our full pick of the litter in regards to what we are and in regards to what our favorites can be so uh agnes you're starting us off this week so i as i always do i like to start off with two uh, with some general questions before we go into the actual anime itself so uh first question do you like drama as a genre, you know? And a second question is, you know, out of curiosity, because there's just so much to select from, was it actually harder because there's so much to select from? Or did you know exactly who you were going to pick? I do generally like drama because who doesn't like spicy tea in their shows, right? <laughs> um, but I think I gravitate towards very specific genres with drama so like an action drama or like a fantasy genre or uh, like a military sort of drama Mm. rather than just like a full drama sitcom type of thing I don't think I can sit through those for very long I get actually kind of bored of it pretty easily Mm -hmm. so I need some sort of other genre to kind of complement each other like stimulation yeah you need the extra stimulation right and that I guess that also ties in with like world building and stuff like that too so I do need that rather than just a common modern uh, sit-down comedy drama, for example. Um, In terms of your second question, it was a little bit tricky at first when I was trying to find a a drama anime that I really liked just because there is so much to look at. But when you start to narrow down the sub-genres that come with it, like action, fantasy, Mm -hmm. historical drama, you're like, okay, yeah, I know what my type is. And then it becomes very easy from then on. Okay, got it. So so then in that case, what are your favorites that you picked? Uh Okay, I have two favorites, and the first one is actually a series that I recently spotlighted on the main anime trending podcast, and it's one that Gracie's currently watching weekly, and one that I binged <laughs> in a matter of a couple I know days. what this one is. And that is, <laughs> <laughs> is Oku the Inner Chamber, that's available on Netflix. It is a 10-episode historical drama series. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I binge-watched it. I actually took a day off of work to binge-watch it. Um, And it was fantastic from, like, start to finish. It is super-duper spicy, and essentially it is during the Edo period of Japan, at the very beginning of the Edo period in Japan, and it's this alternative history writing of what if Japan wasn't so much of a, uh, a patriarchal society, but during that Edo period, that crucial Edo period, there's a mysterious kind of like red pox that's been going around that spread from animals to humans, and it infects men only, and it basically kills out their entire population. And so with the lack of men available in the country as a whole, the society now has to kind of shift where women now take up more male roles, such as doing like farming, laboring, being like merchants or like house of the, um, head of the household. And then men are more coveted as almost like beautiful grooms or um, 
men of very higher standing are often subjected to enter the inner chamber called the oku, which is kind of like a the Japanese version of like the inner harem um, inside a uh, a sort of like inside the shogun's palace. So it the whole story centers around men who are in the oku, men who have, may have been subjected to be in the oku uh, not on their own will, or men who willingly signed up to be part of the oku because they're trying to avoid certain lifestyles and things like that. And it just focuses a lot on the political drama that happens inside the oku. And while the oku, the, all the drama is happening inside the oku, you have society as a parallel kind of changing in a way in response to this biological disease that is going around uh, the countryside of Japan. It's a really fascinating series. Um, I really liked it from the first season. I can't spoil too much of it because Gracie is watching it weekly and I promised that I wouldn't spoil it for her. I threatened and to murder people <laughs> if someone Yeah, you actually me. threatened to murder people. So I'm just like, okay, I cannot actually say anything about it. But I just want to say it's a fantastic watch. It is my Studio Dean and I know a lot of people are like a little bit hesitant with Studio Dean because it does have a bit of a spotty reputation. But for some, whatever reason, Studio Dean does a really good job with historical dramas, like uh, Descending Stories of Rock. I was just about to say, hey, hey, yeah. hey, let's not write off that. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, so those two are really good. Um, and I actually started reading Oku, the manga that's available like on cancellations. It's also, I think, published by Kodansha, I think. And it's really spicy. Like, it's even more spicy than the first season right now. And I am in, I'm in between the lines of jubilation and despair at <laughs> the time when I'm reading the manga. So it's a great read. It's a great watch. People should go watch it on Netflix. Do you have any questions, uh, Isabel, for, for Agnes you. before I yes. go off? <laughs> okay, well, one, I guess the simple question is, is it complete? Like the whole series is complete? Yes. So there's an ending and everything? Yes. Okay. So the manga's complete. It's been complete for a while because it started, I think, around 2004 and it ended in 2009. Mm. It's very long. It's about 18 volumes long. And the anime only covers four volumes. Oh, four volumes of it. Okay. Yeah. But the Netflix show, the Netflix show covers the four volumes, like pretty much like, um, like word by word. Like, so you don't have to worry about like weird adaptations or anything like that. But it only focuses on one particular moment in that history of the entirety of the oku it's by far the most popular but at the same time it kind of leaves you wanting for more so you go read the manga <laughs> got it okay i think that's actually the only question i had because i hadn't heard of this until i saw gracie posting some things about it and i was yeah i hadn't heard about it either she basically uh -huh. just dropped it on me during anime expo she's like agnes i think you'll like this and i'm mm. like okay sure and then i got back from anime expo and i'm like well i'm taking the day off of work because i'm tired so let's watch this and i after i finished i was like oh <laughs> I oh, actually no. binged the whole thing. <laughs> am I good, guys, or am I good? <laughs> you are very good. You are very good. Clap, 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 clap. But yes, I'll turn it over to you, Gracie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, what I was going to share was also, funnily enough, it was I who watched it first, and it was the first episode. And it was basically, an, it felt like a movie, really, is what it is. It was an hour long, and Gina and I were, sorry, my roommate, my roommate and I were watching it together, and we were enraptured by that first episode. Like, I could not turn my eyes away. I didn't even check how long it was. Like, the thought never even occurred to me that this was longer than, like, a normal episode I just wanted to keep watching it and watching it and by the end of it I was like oh this is good and so immediately I was like you know who would like this Agnes Agnes would like this and so I mean so that very night I saw her because you know uh, we were at Anime Expo together and I told her I was like I just watched Oku with you know with my roommate and it was incredible and I think it's right up your alley and I just wanted to say I was 100% right so um so that's like so that's the so that's how the story of how Agnes started watching it Oku has been very strong for me as I'm watching it it has been infuriating as Agnes knows I have been screaming in her DMs very, being very angry towards a particular character and plotting their downfall and, so, and helplessly plotting their downfall because it's not like I can get into the story and change anything but I think what intrigued me the most about this particular series and you know Agnes you talked about it with me as well when we were um, DMing each other is that like um, and this doesn't involve any spoilers so you don't need to so you don't need to worry about it Isabel is that 
I think it's interesting because it's a what if historical situation. So it wasn't like Japan was always a matriarchy, as Agnes said. It was a patriarchy that got forcefully transitioned to a matriarchy because of things outside of people's control. And what's very interesting just from the first episode alone is that despite the fact that it is a matriarchy, the patriarchy still directly affects it in very indirect, unconscious ways that uh, that the current that the current woman in charge had started to notice and is now essentially going back in time, not literal time traveling, but like information hunting, going back in time to figure out like, why are these patriarchal things still affecting it when our society shouldn't care about these things in the first place at this point. And so I thought that nuance was very intriguing. And that's definitely what caught my eye the most in regards to how the first episode ended. And I and I think Agnes, like you caught on to that. And you said like, it's it dives way deeper. It's it talks about economics and like a lot of other stuff, yep. right? Yep. It definitely dives into all sorts of parts of like Japanese society as a whole during the Edo period. Um, because at the same time that you have the events of the Oku unfolding, there's a side story about peasant farmers and how they're adapting like socioeconomically to these changes. And you also have another side story about a, um, a local lord's daughter who has to now kind of conform to the new changes where women aren't so much valued as like men of the house as um as like women of the household but they have to kind of even change their features or be willing to don on like a masculine kimono and adopt like masculine names and masculine mannerisms in order to become the new head of the house so it's a really interesting blend all together that complements the story of the oku as well mm-hmm. The main story of the Oku inside the Inner yeah. Chamber. It was so good that I ended up roping Nico and another friend, he who shall not be named because he is dead. <laughs> and they both basically binge the series. And the the one who's dead has basically been DMing me nonstop, like crying, sobbing, throwing up about all the events. He, he's haunting so Agnes, is what we're saying. <laughs> He's haunting me. Yeah, he's basically haunting me. But he's so like enraptured with this story that he he was so blown away that when he finished the show, he was just like, "I'm just dis- I'm in despair." Yeah, I, I can't I can't help laughing at like the D- he did share the DMs with me because he did think it was funny. Where it was like he sent you like he sent you that message where he was like, "I was happier last night." <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no. he watched the final episode and he was in shambles, and then. Uh, Nico, who was watching it, but he wasn't as caught up as us, so it was me, he who shall not be named, kind of like giggling and watching Nico as he was like going through episode by episode, and Nico was also like blown away, and at one point when it reached the, the climax, or the, the ultimate like peak part of the show, you'll see it when you see it, Gracie, Nico's like, yes, do it, <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited. Dude, I'm barely holding yeah. on because I want to murder someone <laughs> I know, like that's why. Let's like we've been like sitting on our hands for so long, Gracie. Like at one point, Nico was like, "I don't know how Gracie is doing this." Like we play hate week, like, them. <laughs> I hate them so much. I want to wring their neck. Like <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> I know, but you made a commitment. You gotta stick with it. Anyway. Alright, so Oku is your first pick, a, v- a pretty new one. So uh, what is your second uh, that you've picked for your favorite drama anime? My second pick for a drama anime is something that is much older and something that I have mentioned on this podcast before. And earlier I said, like, I don't really like dramas that are like in the modern day setting because they're kind of bored. This one kind of fits in that modern day setting, but because it's, it is augmented by a second kind of branch genre, which is music, it appeals to me a okay. lot more. And that's Nana. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Nana is like an absolute classic. And I talked about on the show how Nana is a really good show that talks about an audience that isn't in high school anymore. These are kids who are quote unquote either in college or in working. So they're like their early 20s and they're trying to adjust to their new life, especially because they move out from a small town. They go to Tokyo. They have big dreams. They want to do something with it. And that's the entirety premise of Nana is a coming of age story from when you're a very impressionable teenager to a very jaded adult and you learn about the ways of the world there's a lot of messy breakups there's a lot of really messy misunderstandings and it's just really nice to watch there's it's just there's just so much tea watching the show overall 
And of course, because Nana is augmented by music, the second half of Nana, the more punk emo type, is the one that is starting a band in Tokyo and is trying to make it big in Tokyo. And her voice is like super raspy, and there's like this is great music accompaniment behind it. So while you're enjoying all the drama that's unfolding behind the scenes, you're also enjoying like a musical presentation as well. So Nana was my pick for favorite genre, drama overall. I really have to ask: Have you watched Nana? Like rewatched it recently? I did. I rewatched uh, Nana very recently. It was around the time that I actually mentioned it on this podcast too. So I would say about a year ago. And I still remember it pretty clearly because we were marathoning it with friends. And we would watch like maybe like five, six episodes a night on marathon. So it would be like every Saturday or something we would watch it. And so at that point, I was like just taken aback because I was just like, oh my gosh, I remember everything now. It's super duper spicy. There's a lot of like sadness. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of very bad choices too. Okay, actually, that's a perfect lead into why I had specifically asked this question. So, so basically, Nana is an interesting show where your perspective of the characters changes quite drastically when you watch it as a kid yes. versus when you watch it as an adult. Uh, the perfect example I have is actually not even from myself, but from a friend of mine. He's told me about how when he was a kid and he watched Nana, one of the characters annoyed him so, so much because, you know, she would always make these bad decisions and she was... Uh, Oh, it's Hachi, yeah. isn't it? It's Hachi. Okay. <laughs> and uh, making all these bad decisions and making, like, and always chasing after the boys and letting the boys, like, you know, sort of her, letting her relationships dominate her, her decisions and getting to decide, like, what she does and how she feels. But here's the here's the ironic twist is, you know, when he rewatched it in college, he had essentially became her. And so instead of, you know, being annoyed or even hating on her now, now he really, really empathizes because he had gone through a series of like heartbreaks in regards to his personal relationships. And it really dominated him and his choices and like how he feels about himself and, you know, how he feels about his life. And specifically, you know, he and he's also made a lot of bad decisions trying to pursue and make a relationship that was dying to to force it to somehow work because he was so desperate. And so after that whole thing and he had rewatched, you know, Nana, it like his point of view has completely changed. It went from finding her so annoying and like wanting to brush her aside to like complete empathy because he literally was in her spot. And I think that was such a fascinating 180 degree turn. So I kind of want to ask, you know, did you have any of these perspective changes as an adult watching Nana versus when you were like a teenager? When I was a teenager watching Nana, I kind of understood that Hachi made like really bad decisions overall. I didn't realize how bad they were until I got to an adult. I was more enamored, I think, with Nana Mm -hmm. as a whole when I was younger. So I completely kind of like forgot about Hachi. And then when I rewatched it as an adult, I'm like, oh no, the true drama's on Hachi. (laughs) And I think the the bad decisions part, the reason why I glossed over it when I was so much younger was because I realized they were bad decisions but I didn't realize the impact of why they were right, bad decisions right. and why she would go mm-hmm. through it. So I kind of just like glossed over it. I'm just like, I'm here for Nana. I'm here for the music. I'm here for the punk rock aesthetic. Like nothing can deter me from that. But then when I was watching it as an adult, I realized that there's a lot of parts in in Hachi that's very relatable in terms of like being desperate, trying to chase your dreams and making all the bad decisions because you're torn between do I act selfish or do I not act selfish? And that in itself became, now I became more gravitated towards that rather than towards Nana's story as a whole in the background. Got it. So I think over time, my perspective did change, not in the way that your friend's perspective changed, but in a way that I became more aware Mm -hmm. of why they were bad decisions. Uh, This reminds me of this really funny quote from Rihanna, um, because there was a Vogue video that she did a while ago. And she was, I think she was talking about her concealer that she was using. And she was just like, oh, this concealer, like, covers up everything, including, like, bad decisions. <laughs> and I feel like that's very emblematic of Hachi <laughs> in Nana, who just tries to patch up all of her worries and her insecurities with bad decisions, essentially. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Isabel, I, I believe you love Nana as well. <laughs> 
I did, yeah. So I kind of hold, I only watched it in either middle school or high school during that time, mm. and I have not revisited it. And okay. I guess the interesting difference is that, Agnes, you said you kind of were there for kind of like the punk and the music things. Yeah. I was there for the relationships. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is like two diametric opposites, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I, I was like, I don't know who to root for. I want to root for Nana or this Nana. And then like, their relationships are so messy like they have ex-boyfriends yeah. and things like that and not only that they're living together and even their relationship between the two nanas kind of gets rocky too right mm-hmm. um and so like i i was like torn between almost all the characters and i was rooting for some at some point but be- if they make a bad decision i wanted to move on from that um or i missed someone that we weren't seeing in a certain scene um i had also read the manga and so i was you know, just looking for how do these relationships end up? Like, what happens? Like, I, and, I was And you invested. know that they don't end up because the manga is incomplete. <laughs> I know, it's incomplete. So it's forever <laughs> my imagination or the reader's imagination as to what happens in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, um, I think that sums up two incredible uh, drama anime. And I think we're ready to move on to the next person, who is me, actually. <laughs> so, um, drama, picking a favorite drama anime for me was actually very difficult. And I think because drama is probably my quintessential sort of genre in regards to any sort of stories. I, you know, I talk about this with Shauna a lot where it's like I, I'm pretty eclectic in like the settings and the uh, settings and the style of my novel ideas. But the one thing that is very, very present amongst all my stories, it is it is very drama based and drama heavy. And so like so it is so drama is kind of my genre. And as long as it has it, I am more particular to it. And so because of that, I have just so many I have just loved throughout the years that it's that it was really hard to pick. And so I try to pick. So the two I am talking about today, they're going to be two that I think hasn't really been talked about on our podcast. And that's the only reason why I'm picking them. But they're definitely not like my top two favorite drama anime because it's a little hard to decide. And at this point, I think we're all tired of hearing me talk about Fruits Basket. So, <laughs> uh, so in that case, uh, the first one I am going to pick in regards to a dr- one, of my, one of my favorite drama anime I've seen throughout these years is Violet Evergarden. I kind of erased the ending with the guy and her getting together because it was just weird and I didn't want to think about it so just keep that in mind when I say Violet Evergarden I'm talking more about like the first like 12 episodes when it had come out on Netflix in regards to and I think that was one of the first like anime weekly shows that Netflix was willing to do like it was Mm -hmm. it was one of the first ones but Violet Evergarden really got to me and I think because I liked how it did its flavor of drama. So the main theme of the series is love, which I know sounds very cliche, but, you know, I will, you know, I will talk about what uh, Makoto Shinkai has once said is that he really likes writing stories of love because he thinks there's so much flavor to love and there's so much you can do with it. And it's so universal that it's one of those things that just crosses cultural bounds because people just people seek it and people have it and people want it. And so so that's why I think love as a theme, like even though some people are like, oh, that's so cliche or cringy. I don't think it's cringy at all, especially if you explore it right. And Violet Evergarden really explores that right through its relationships. I think one of my most, one of the episodes that really impressed me and how it utilized love and explored it in the series is, funnily enough, not even a romantic relationship. So one of the characters that, you know, Violet Evergarden meets is this young man who's working as the scholar in this library and basically he has like issues with the idea of like pursuing your passion pursuing something that you would love to do because his dad was an explorer and when he went out and that was his dad's passion and when his dad went out to explore never came back and obviously it's very heavily implied that something bad had happened to him and um and then his mom went out to 
try to find him, essentially, because she also figured that something had happened to him. And then she never came back as well. So for him, it was like their, uh, his mom's passion for, you know, his dad and then his dad's passion for exploration is what killed them. And so it made him become very much about stability and just following what's safest and what's like healthiest and stuff like that. And through, you know, and through Violet Evergarden's own lack of understanding of love and trying to explain it to her, he realizes that there is some worth in risking things to pursue something that you love. And his, so it's episodic, but his story ending isn't, you know, family love. It isn't he ends up with anyone or anything like that. It's just he chooses to quit his job as a scholar and also go explore or specifically try to study the stars because that's what he's very passionate about is about space and stars and I just really really love that and how you know because that's not that that type of story is not something we usually think about when we see love like we hear love and we think about you know romantic relationships or you know a relationship between a parent and a child but in this case it's like that is a type of love and I, I just found that to be really uh, unique in regards to how they've incorporated that. And every single episode really is truly like a different flavor of this universally understood emotion that people feel. And once again, people also really want and they just go into it pieces by pieces. And they and each of these characters, personal stories and central theme builds Violet Evergarden up herself to really love herself and love her identity and figure out exactly who she is and what she wants to be and who she wants to be with. And I I thought the way it all finally puzzled together was just so well done. And it's one of the best like sort of drama based story. And it's and it's interesting because Violet Evergarden is such a unique story in the fact that it's fantasy and the fact that it takes place place in another world but the other world really resembles our world and on top of that it isn't like people have magic powers or anything so at times it doesn't even feel like it's a fantasy really it's just a, it's just an episodic sort of base story that as it goes on in regards to how this character is growing and getting built up through her relationships and other people's relationships as well so that's why I wanted to go ahead and pick Violet Evergarden. I think I picked it less than some of the other ones on this list, but, you know, it's hard to keep track at this point. And I keep forgetting, mainly because there's been such gaps when I mention it. Did any of you two watch that series or no? I only watched the first couple episodes of Violet Evergarden when it was first airing, but I got so busy at the time that I didn't get a chance to finish watching everything. So everything is just osmosis. Okay, got it. And Isabel... I actually watched it recently. Like oh, last month. Oh, finally. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, I have yet to get to the movies. I think that's the next thing I haven't touched upon. But I did watch the twelve episodes at least on Netflix with a friend of mine, um, who had already watched it. Which is funny because before Violet Evergarden came out, I told them all about it. Like you should watch the show, and I'm the only person who. Oh didn't my gosh. The show. <laughs> Dude, Isabel, please. Feels bad. Yeah, I, I forgive her. Yeah, I forever regret not seeing it because when I saw it, I'm like, why did I choose not to see this? This is just 12 episodes. What was I thinking? Um, but yeah, pretty much what you said, Gracie, like all the stories, like even though they're, you know, separate in Violet's journey, I think Violet's journey is like kind of her, you know, feeling emotions because before she was like a soldier that was basically emotionless. And then so finding her and then learn like her whole thing is kind of figure out what love is and the things like that but on that path and the people that she meets um, especially their stories were definitely a lot more interesting and um, I thought it was just nice that she was writing letters for them I think nowadays like I don't know about you guys I don't write letters to my friends or family anymore Um, but the fact that she was writing letters for them and typing it out and then always also the characters just like looking at her like oh like she doesn't have um hands right so she and then so like the aesthetic purposes of it really like made a difference to me and obviously some of the stories of of the characters trying to reach out via a letter just made it so so beautiful really um and that's why i liked it overall and i think it's a great you know drama anime to watch um and i'm glad that you brought it up on our podcast as well gracie 
Yay, I'm glad to hear that you finally watched it. So, okay, I, I will log it now. Isabel has watched Violet Evergarden, so. <laughs> Alrighty. Yes. Uh, okay, so my next one, I feel like we've started mentioning it a little more recently, but I feel like not enough compared to some of the other ones. So I'm going to have to go with Vinland Saga in regards to drama. That was my that was my backup choice too because I was just like, damn, Vinland Saga was right. Really yeah, <laughs> but yes, I'm glad I'm glad you chose that yeah, one. Yeah, okay. so Vinland Saga is just it, it's incredible. There's like I like Agnes, you know, was watching it, or at one point she got busy, so she had to like stop watching it. But at one point we were watching it at the same time, and I don't know if you get this feeling, Agnes, but whenever I finished a Vinland Saga episode, it was like a breath left me. Like I I was just so pulled yeah. in that it's like I almost yeah. forget to breathe and then it ends and I'm just like oh you know <laughs> like that sort of thing <laughs> I definitely was holding my breath for each of the episodes because I'm just like oh god what's gonna happen next so I feel yeah bad. <laughs> exactly so Finland Saga is an historical and I su- an action adventure ish you know it's going to become more adventure later but action adventure uh, drama series it's it takes place in the vikings era and unlike oku because we've mentioned two historical dramas now is this is not a what if situation this is a historical fiction so it's not uh so it's very much in line of like actual like culture at that time so there is a sort of some corner of like twist in regards to this and in fact the characters that the main characters are based on are, are very much real life people and it's it's fictionalized because of the fact that these characters are so further back in time there's a lot of questions about like what they did in their lives which gives the author a lot of opportunity to be more creative and sort of write it in his way in his style and the reason why I adore Vinland, Log- uh, Vinland Saga is that the theme, I think, is is gorgeous. It's description of what freedom is and what it means to seek freedom. Something about that, I, I think, is just so beautiful because really what it is is, like, they summed it up fairly quickly, but you don't really understand or feel it until you go on this journey with the main character but it's like freedom is hope like if like freedom and hope are hand in hand a lot of times and freedom and love is hand in hand in a lot of times as well and it's just like there's something so beautiful about that concept and that's illustrated so well in regards to the storytelling that it just takes my breath away at times but it is also extremely dialogue heavy and character driven each of these characters are extremely complex. Even the antagonists, they're not. There's not a single like purely bad for like bad reasons. Like I, I genuinely think don't don't think there is a single one. Even as I'm like thinking back to it, um, each of the characters are filled with complexities and nuance, and it is difficult because the time period makes things difficult. It really makes you feel like how hard it was to live back then. And it gives you a lot of questions, too. Like, sometimes there are conflicts in there where, you know, uh, Torfing has to make this decision. He has to make it right now. And I'm just like, I have my entire life to ponder on this conflict and try to think of a correct solution. And I don't think there is one. I'm like, there's this and this and this, but there's always some form of consequence to it. And you can't control it. And that part, like, just gets to me at times but it shows you how intricately written the stories are in regards to these characters and their actions driving exactly where the plot is going to go because you know if he makes a different decision the outcome is just completely different and it's very realistic in that regard as well and so I also really adore that sort of um strong storytelling element in Vinland Saga it's like you know, it's it's ironic, and I've talked about it before, like, with the editors, which are the two here, that sometimes it's the good, the really good anime that is hard to write a review for, because you're kind of like, it's good, it's good, and you're just blubbering, 
<laughs> you're just blubbering over the fact that it's good and it's hard to actually explain as to why it's good because it all meshes together so well. So, uh, but yeah, Vinland Saga, I think, is probably one of my, uh, uh, definitely one of my favorite drama anime out there. And once again, I think we've only, Girl Talk, I feel like, has only started mentioning it fairly recently because of season two. I don't think I've really mentioned it in the prior years, to be honest, despite the fact that I did like the first season a lot. And so I want to go ahead and highlight it now. So yeah, Agnes, this was obviously one of your backups and obviously you love that one. So what do you have? <laughs> I definitely agree that it's such a good drama overall and that there's basically nothing wrong with it. It's like perfect. You know how they have that meme of like the hand-drawn horse? Oh, yes! <laughs> from, like, start to finish? That's Vinland Saga to me. <laughs> it's just perfect. But I do have to say that when I first started Vinland Saga season one, I did think that it was rather slow at the very beginning and that it didn't actually hit hard until the very end of season one when um, with the climax of of Asklad, you know, kind of going ape shit and really kind of like taking his legacy with him and kind of freeing Thorfinn from this whole uh, shackles to of revenge, really. And then afterwards in season two, I think really builds up that whole idea of trying to change himself and his views which I think why it's as a whole as a series, it's become perfect. But if you just watch season one and you're just left with season one, I do feel it's a bit of a cliffhanger. You're, yeah, you did not watch a seasons. complete story if you just watched season one, not even close. So. Yeah, because I remember marathoning through, because I always knew from like a long time, because I read manga a lot more than I watch anime. And I knew for a very long time that Vinland Saga has been so critically acclaimed. And so when I wanted to go watch season one, when it was after it finished airing, I was just like, okay, let's see what this is about because I didn't have time to read the manga. And I already had a lot of high expectations because like I told you, I saw the series a lot like Vagabond, which is a historical fiction narrative about Miyoto Musashi and his transition from being like a bloodthirsty, violent samurai into something more peaceful, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I kind of wanted to see how well that held up in Vinland Saga. But the beginning part of Vinland Saga is very, very, very slow. And so I remember kind of sluggishly going through it thinking to myself, when does it actually kick in? Like the fight scenes are great, the openings are fantastic, but at some point I'm just like, when does it get to that point? And it got to that point right at the end of season one. And I'm like, oh, that's why it's good. And the season two was like, oh, everything is really good so yeah uh, yeah uh, did you watch Vinland? well i guess you know isabel based on what you said of 86 where it was a little too much too heavy for you i could kind of see vinland saga being that as well like uh like is that has that ever interested you or yes it has interested me i did start watching it but that was maybe like one or two episodes um but i think maybe like agnes said it might be or I felt that it was a little slow, so I'm not sure where it's going to go. I definitely want to give it more of a shot because you all talk about it, so. But I, yeah, it might be like 86 to me. We, we shall see. I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and list out the other ones that I would talk about, but I've talked about it so much that it's not like interesting anymore. So 86 obviously is another drawn anime. Adore it. Love it frame it on a wall um, and then uh descending stories which you know agnes has already mentioned yep. a, a fan favorite drama and a fan favorite amongst girl taku but a huge favorite amongst me it takes my breath away still uh but talked about it a lot as well uh one i will give a quick sort of shout out to it hasn't really quite gotten up there yet but i was really impressed by it which this one is against agnes's opinion on so i do know that so uh but i share this opinion with isabel is uh dance 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 sure i had uh really enjoyed that mm -hmm. and so i think it's not quite up there yet amongst the ones i listed but it's very very close it's like right beneath the ladder like the run on on the ladder and i think the main reason why was i was just so proud and um impressed with junpei's uh with junpei's character development i really was like i felt proud of him at the end of the of the 11 episodes and i 
I wanted to see more of him because I was like, he's grown so much. And I know he only has more room to grow as a person, as a dancer. And it just made me really happy. And um, and it made me feel really good to see that protagonist uh, character growth. I just loved it a lot. And another thing I was really impressed by Dance 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 Sure is that it is one of the very few stories out there that has the guts to set up a main romance between like these two characters where it seems like it's endgame and it's obvious they're going to be a thing and then have them actually become canon for a bit and then break up. I was very impressed by that particular selection because, uh, you know, most stories, not even just manga, but even novels, it's like the one, you know, you get together with this person, that's it. And that's the end of the story. But Dance 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 Share doesn't do that. Dance 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 Share is like, no, people change. And sometimes even if these two people get along great, that doesn't mean they're meant to be in a romantic relationship or sometimes, you know, they care about something else a little more than the love they than they have for each other, which is just proof that, you know, they're not meant to be together right now. And I just find found that decision to be extremely impressive. And it struck me a lot that the author and of course, the anime itself illustrating it was willing to go into that direction. So that's my quick spotlight of a third sort of drama anime that is almost almost there. Uh, I think it probably would have reached there if you know, the series went on longer. I've heard amazing things about it after the point that we got to in this in the anime, but um, but yeah. So <laughs> that is my third one. Alrighty, so Isabel, uh, it is now your turn. So you know, same questions as Agnes. One, uh, how do you feel about the drama genre as a whole? And two, uh, did the fact that it's so wide in selection give you any trouble picking your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of drama anime, I think drama is always, like Agnes said, it's always tied to another type of genre, whether it's action or fantasy or something. So I always find myself watching them anyway. And and so that's why it was a little difficult for me to choose uh, one. And I mean, in general, I like watching Korean dramas as well, which I find is a very deep time sinkhole. So I try to not watch those, um, but I will try to watch one or two. And yes, they take a lot of time, but yeah, it's just it's, it's a little different though in terms of like real life dramas versus dramas and anime, just because there's this other aspect. And and so the two anime that I chose have that time traveling kind of aspect. I don't know why, but they just happen to be my mm-hmm. favorite. And um, and so the first one I wanted to go over um, is uh, Orange. Oh, and okay. Have you have both of you seen that one? I'm not, actually not too sure. I think you have, Gracie. I'm I have. Sure. That's mm-hmm. actually a very important anime for me, and I'll speak why when it's when you're done. <laughs> okay, absolutely. What about you, Agnes? Have you seen or read Orange at all? No, I have not. But I did know that it was critically acclaimed. It's that same weird middling of like it's a high school anime, so mm. I typically or like high school manga, so I typically don't touch those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you might find that as well. I think the interesting aspect. I think it could be kind of like your regular high school anime. But the thing is, what drew me to it is the fact that in Orange, um, the the main characters or the group of friends are trying to uh, basically. Uh, save this transfer student who in one timeline basically um, commits suicide and and because he's gone in their life they decide to send letters back to their past self Uh, so that's kind of the sci-fi aspect is that they send letters back to the past and and so the anime it starts off with the main character and uh, I think her name is Naho and she gets a letter from her future self that you know, this transfer student is going to appear in your class. This is something I wish I did. So make sure you do it. And so each episode is like that. Each episode, she opens up a letter. Um, and then it could be something as simple as, uh, on this day, Kakeru didn't have a bento lunch. I wish I made a bento lunch for him. And so basically her future self is trying to tell her past self to do something that might change that outcome of Kakeru basically committing suicide. And so and so we see these letters being sent, but then actually you would think that if you thought that your future self sent a letter back, back to your past, you would just follow it, right? Like, oh yes, this is the best choice for me. This is what I this is what I sent myself. It's my handwriting. 
but it's interesting to see how she struggles to actually do this still. Like, it's hard to change your personality like right away, even if it's your future self telling you that. And so the fact that she was trying to do things, but she also apologizes to her future self, like, I'm sorry, I couldn't do this today. I, I read the letter, but I couldn't do it. Um, and so, yeah, I just like that about Orange, kind of like her going back into the past and knowing that her friends as well as a group trying to include, um, including, including all the characters together. And then also they have their own letters trying to pursue their own type of, uh, goal, I guess. And I just really like the fact that they're all trying to, you know, do the same thing, but also just figure out a different situation for themselves, even if it's their high school selves. And maybe it involves, you know, relationships, not only between each other, but maybe with other people as well in the classroom. And so I thought that was really sweet overall. Um, it's a complete story in itself. I think I ended up watching it after after I read it. So I read it first um, because I heard it was popular. And then, and then when the anime came out, I was very excited for it. And so I watched it all as well. Um, but yes, Crazy, what were your thoughts on Orange and, you know, why was it important to you, like you said? So the reason why it was important to me is that I think, um, I wouldn't say it saved her life, but it helped her a lot. One of my friends in college was going through a really, really uh, hard time, just emotionally speaking. And she kind of watches anime, but isn't like super into it. And uh, she, so she picks and chooses and just as coincidence would have it, Orange decide to air right around that time. And I knew how the story was going to end. I knew it was a happy ending and stuff. And so I I thought that, you know, if we watched it together, one, you know, it's a bonding moment between me and her. Because at that point, we weren't super close. We were just friends. We happened to be in like several of the same classes and we hit it off pretty well. And so, uh, but then two, you know, I, I don't know. I thought maybe she'll feel seen if she uh, if she watches it and really every week we were kind of like crying <laughs> in the study rooms mm. together as we watch a single episode but it was extremely cathartic for her she said that it made her feel so seen in a way that she didn't think was possible but it also but she said it really also gave her like hope as well because the point of this whole story is a group of friends desperately doing whatever it took to save their friend and make their friend believe that life is worth living despite how hard of a how hard life can be uh she did say one of the characters really reminded her of me which is not the main girl but actually uh, the guy in the tri love triangle sua <laughs> like she said that she was like sua just yeah. she said every time she watches it and she's actually rewatched the series where she was like sua just makes me think of you i'm like that's gracie <laughs> and so which i'm very uh, honored by that fact because uh, because sua is an incredible character and like just a very good person so i am very honored that she thinks that um but that's why it has like a personal part of um, in my journey of in regards to Orange. Like it's hard for me to say it's my favorite because um, because I think ultimately if it's like me watching by myself, I'd probably say the ones I mentioned are still like a bigger impact on me. But on a personal level, it, it's very important to me because of this bringing something so very good and needed to my friend who really was looking for not not just acceptance but like understanding feeling like someone's heard her and stuff like that and for mm -hmm. and on for me to bring that series to her she said even that like action alone made her feel like like I heard her because it's like she because it's like I brought her exactly sort of like the story she needed at that moment and so it's like so that's why I'm like it's a very personal thing in regards to Orange as an anime and like what it has in my life. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess, Agnes, you know, have you heard it? Oh, wait, yes, you have heard of it, but you just haven't watched it or anything like that. Mm hmm. I feel like now listening to Isabel's explanation of the plot, how there is like that sci fi time loop element. That's also very weirdly mature enough because there are moments where the main character can't 
bring herself to do certain things. I think it's very realistic. It kind of compels me to watch it. And the fact that you watched it also, Gracie, with a friend who was in a very dark place for a while, and the series actually gave her hope, kind of incentivizes me to also Yeah, no, well. um, and another it's- thing, on that note of Isabel saying, like, you know, sometimes she can't follow the letter, sometimes the letter is also wrong, as in, like, the adults, the adult selves think that this should have been the right action, but then the ones who are in high school, you know, they're in it. They're in that scene. They're with those people, and so sometimes they're like, I understand why the adults said that, but I feel like this is still not the right choice. Maybe there's a third option, an even better option. That was also like a thing I really liked as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. So there is like the the actual illusion yes. of choice where there's yeah, okay. So that that actually makes it even better because I feel like it's one thing to look back at things retrospectively and think like, oh, I've taken the wrong, ch- I've done the wrong choice, or I have taken the wrong choice. But there are so many other different perspectives that we haven't been able to consider when we're, you know, moving exactly into the future and stuff. So that is a really interesting yeah. aspect. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I feel like I, I made it heavy in regards to this. Isabel, do you want to say anything else about Orange? <laughs> No, yeah, Orange is just hard to talk about. I feel like it has that kind of like mellow, dramatic feeling to it, um, you know, based, I mean, well, yes, you know, because it surrounds death overall, um, but also the relationships and that. So I'm glad there's a happy ending out of it. Otherwise, I probably would be bawling at the end of the series. But yeah, it's just kind of like, I like the fact that there's like two storylines, right? One, the high school present selves for uh, for our characters, but then also we also see what it's like um in the in the mm-hmm. future as well how the adults are living and how they move on from that as well so it's like two different things and um yeah two different like timelines going together towards the end so yeah i think the orange is hard uh overall um so that's okay <laughs> so okay so that's your first pick then what is your second pick I think my second pick is no surprise. Uh, I thought it would be a good time to talk about it, even though I've talked about it multiple times, and that is obviously Link. Ah, Cook. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you this guess? Is good. You look, okay, look, I was either uh-huh. going to be thinking about... It was either going to be Steins Gate <laughs> or it was going to be re- uh, erased. So this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> those are like the two other time travel series that you also really like. And I'm like, I think there's some sort of drama. I also agree. Them, I, I thought it was going to be Steins Gate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Isabel once again surprises us. <laughs> That's surprising to me. I did think about Steins Gate. Steins Gate is definitely kind of like, you know, kind of like the OG anime for time travel. So that will always mm-hmm, be in my back. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, I've forgotten a lot of what happened other than the basic plot points in that. And and even though I watched like the most recent one, which was Steins Gate Zero, I actually quite like that one um, as well. But um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a drama. To it seems more plot driven um, mm, to me. Okay. And then and then more and then because Link Click is airing now, especially of season two, I just find myself liking a lot more. And not only that, I'm surprised that season two has the same emotional impact on me as it did in season one. So I thought in season two we were going a different route after figuring out that there may be. I mean, obviously there's superpowers involved, but the fact that other than our two characters who can look through a photograph and see what happens, um, plus um, basically clapping their hands and going back into a photograph, the fact that other people may have this type, same type of superpower, I thought we were going along that route. But they still managed to put in kind of uh, dramatic scenes with, involving other characters. Uh, and yeah, uh, I know we talked about this before, but yeah, Link Click is kind of similar to Violet Evergarden in a sense. Um, the difference is that they have photos. And so when the two characters go back into the photos and change a little bit about what the client wants, um, because uh, Cheng Xiaoshi can go into that person's body and change the outcome of what happens in that photo. We also kind of see how the person in the photo has their relationships, whether it's kind of, you know, kind of like that friend that they, uh, I think the one that I really like was the the noodle shop one. 
Oh, that's my favorite one. Oh, you saw that one too? Okay. Like, I did, I, like I said, I only watched a couple episodes of Link Click, but uh-huh. I really liked the noodle shop scene. Yeah, right? Okay. Um, but yes, it was just so, I thought it was great. Like, kind of like these two ladies who brought up a noodle shop, and obviously they were very successful, but one friend felt that, you know, it wasn't going the way that she wanted, or it wasn't the same as when they started it, when they wanted, they, um, we're starting off making the noodle shop just for you know the sake of starting and having fun, whereas the other person kind of maybe forgot about that moving forward and wanted to commercialize it more or advertise it more so it's not as fun for the other girl. And then she, you know, just kind of gave up and went back home. So it's kind of so that story between like their friendship, I thought that was super sweet um, overall. And then, um, but yeah, I want to know what stood out to you about that noodle story as well for you, Agnes. It actually kind of reminded me of something that happened in the past, not to me directly, but mm-hmm. to my dad, who also ran like a his own startup company when he was still alive. And he had a co-partnership with somebody. And watching this uh, see, this particular scenario in Link Click reminded me a lot about it. How between like two people in like the single business, sometimes you can have that sole vision of what you want to carry out and make it into reality but as the years go by sometimes people split sometimes people have different like ideas and sometimes it just doesn't work out anymore and people have to kind of like move on and then like their dream kind of like collapses on itself as well so it was very like nostalgic to me while watching that and also really heartbreaking too because you can really see how the two characters the two women really do care about the noodle shop and care about their relationship with each other. But because they also grew as individual people, they also kind of had to move away from each other as well. So I thought that was very, it was very poignant of a storyline in Link Click. I think I like that storyline a lot more than the first storyline in Link Click about the office, the over, the overworked office worker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I felt like that was relatable too, to some sense. Um, and then also was like a smaller story, but then it 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 was tied back later in in yes. the series, which I didn't yes. think would happen. So okay, that was the other aspect. One the cliffhangers on every episode, and then the fact that the first the first story could tie into the whole series. I thought we were just getting a series about uh, stories and photographs, but instead we're getting a kind of more complete series and something building on top of that. So I have high hopes for season two overall. Um, but yes, Gracie, what did you think? Or did you have a story? In um, I don't know well? if it's like per se. It's just that story was so powerful that I had to run out of the apartment to try to get away from crying. And then I still ended up crying. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, is this scenario? My thing is, I didn't really watch Link Clicks too seriously in the first season because I could understand it. I have the power now, so... <laughs> I didn't have to have the subs to understand what was going on. I can hear it and I kind of have an idea of what's going on. But I, because I was waiting for my friend to come, I decided to just sit down and watch along, uh, watch along my roommate. And then that like episode like tore me apart so badly that I was just like, I, I, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. This is very dangerous. I feel the tears coming and I gotta keep it under control or else my friend's gonna see very teary eyed Gracie come out of the building and be like, what in the world happened? And then I just got and I, I got as far as the staircase and I started going down the stairs and I was just like, <laughs> so- <laughs> Um, it's very funny and very embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess like, you know, in regards to, I don't think it's my favorite, but certainly it had like an impact on me. Um, I will say though, uh, so far right now, my favorite moment, at least in the second season has been that fight scene, like that big fight scene choreography. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Also, when mm-hmm. like the uh, when the girl was using like one of the medical things as like a bow staff, I was like, <laughs> so cool. So I just really, really loved that. I thought that was just incredible. It had my eyes glued the entire time. So uh, so yeah, but Link Click, it's like, it's funny because I didn't watch it super seriously the first season, but I 
because I was hearing it, I know everything of what's going on. But now the second season, the first two episodes did such a good job of like reeling me in. And also they have a really, really, really hot antagonist. I just, I, I have to note it. I'm sorry, but <laughs> there is a... Oh, you thought he was hot Good, too. <laughs> good. We, we're in agreement. He's literally the hottest character there. So, um, Okay, but he's evil. I don't know. I'm like on the fence. At first when I saw him, I'm like, oh, interesting character. And then when I saw he was evil, I'm like, I'm not too sure. This is you're, bad if You're I like a better him. person than me, Isabel. I like, I saw that man. I'm like, why are you like this? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is turning oh, into no. another Makishima <laughs> moment where I'm like, I want to forgive you because you look amazing. But I, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, but I am watching, I am planning to watch the second season a little more seriously. <laughs> Uh, alrighty, so is that all you have to share about Link Click and um, and your favorite drama anime? Yes, that is all I have to share. It's funny that the drama anime I liked are maybe are like really, high, I guess, highly emotional in a sense and maybe very heavy um, in some moments. So yes, I am drawn to those, but that's all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, all of the ones we talked about have very heavy sort of, uh, you know, uh, heavy dark moments. For example, you know why? Why else would Betty write a message like? Um, why else would Betty write a message like? I was happier yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was so devastated. <laughs> and it's really funny because he was he was basically blowing up my DMs while I was offline. And so I just saw this long stream of oh consciousness of all his reactions for like three episodes straight. <laughs> I felt that like I was like, it's weird how a single sentence can gut punch you but i was like i felt his feelings in that moment when he wrote i was i was happy <laughs> yesterday so. <laughs> uh, i just laughed <laughs> i just laughed at him uh, all righty well thank you everyone for listening uh, i hope you guys enjoyed our conversation please feel free to share with us your favorite drama anime there's just so many out there and you can share with us at our Twitter, which is at girltaku underscore AT. Yes, we are still on Twitter. We are probably on this sinking ship until it falls. So uh, next week, we will be back with a very fun topic because it's time to bring MBTI back now. And it's Isabel who is in the hot seat. So we will be talking about ISFP anime characters, which is Isabel's personality type. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So I hope everyone will be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.